0: We're in lesson 11 today. We're going to continue on with Paul's discussion concerning the issue of marriage, uh, specifically the issue of being single and about marriage and so forth. And uh, so let's look. We're starting in verse 17 of chapter 7. And let's look at what the Apostle is telling us. Let's look, first of all, to verse 17 through 24. But as God has distributed to each one As the Lord has called each one, let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not become circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it, but if you were made free, rather use it. For he who is called to the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is the Lord's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become the slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in the state in which he was called." Okay, now you're saying, I thought we're talking about marriage here. He's talking about something else. Well, we'll get into it and I'll help you to understand because he's going to give an argument here. First of all, the general principle. Paul called them to live out their lives where God had placed them. Now, remember, last week he talked about that there are some who God gave the gift of being single, who that was their calling, is for them to remain single. And then there are others that God has called to what? Married. Actually, most are called to what? Married. And I share with you the statistic: by the time people reach 60, 80% of people are married. 80% of people have been married by the time they're 60. So, I mean, it is a calling. And so, what he's trying to say is because what's going on here in this church is there, there's a lot of crazy thinking going on. There are people who are married that are saying, "Now, well, I'm, I'm going to serve the Lord and forget about you." And, You know, and and act like they're single, and then there are others who are putting pressure on on single people to get married, and some of that still happens today, doesn't it? And so the point here he's making is, whatever the calling is on your life, be content there. Be content. Now, there's principles there for married couples as well. Let's, Let's just stop for a moment, because a lot of times what will happen is, is that inevitable in any marriage, there will be what? Yeah, you know, trouble or conflict. Because remember what I said last week. When you talk about marriage, when two people get married, you're talking about two independent people coming together who are used to what? Living on their own, doing their own thing. Even though they lived under mom and dad, there was still a relative freedom there as compared to getting married. Then when they get married, they're bringing their stuff with them. That is, their values, their family values and everything and they're coming with this other person who's bringing their values. And then the two get together. And they have to try to what? Work together. Live together. They have to become one. And with that, what happens normally? What's that? Arguments. Stress. Friction. Friction. And so, a lot of times in the earlier years, you'll you'll fight over stuff in the earlier years. That later on, you're like, man, why do we fight over that? You can think about it. You know what I'm saying? Because it was pretty trivial back then. Why? Because they were it was insignificant stuff. Some stuff you just grow used to. Like he leaves his socks laying around. He just after a while, you just kind of give up. You know, you realize it's not worth the fight over socks. You know, or you give up stuff about her. And and what he's trying to tell us is, the principle is, is God calls you to live out your lives where God has placed you. And if you're in marriage, you've got to learn to live it out. You've got to learn to live it out. So he goes on and he's going to tell, here's, here's the principle. He's going to apply the principle just to everyday life in his culture. He's going to apply the principle to everyday life in his culture to help you to understand. So this is why it's connected with the whole marriage issue. First of all, Whether circumcised or not, you are to remain as you are. So he first of all uses the illustration of circumcision. Because again, this would have been a big issue in the church. Because they would have had these Judaizers, these Jewish Christians, who insisted that the Gentiles, who normally did not circumcise, if they were to, quote, find salvation, they had to be what? They had to obey the law of Moses. And the big thing in the law of Moses was that you would be what? Circumcised. And so the first thing he's saying here, here's the principle. If God called you and you're uncircumcised, what? Stay uncircumcised. You're not going to gain any brownie points with God by getting circumcised. So this is the third thing. Whether first thing he's going to show us here to, to apply the principle is where you're at, learn to be content with where God has put you and function there. Okay? Learn to be content. And function there. And so whether circumcised or not, you are to remain as you are. Here's the real issue. The real issue, the issue is not external actions, but obedience to God. Let me just stop for a moment. You may want to put a star by this. This is the big issue with the whole marriage thing. Here's what happens. We are constantly inundated with message after message after message, whether it's through the TV, whether it's through the Internet, whether it's through songs, whether it's through billboards, whether it's through magazines, whether it's through books or movies. We are constantly inundated with message after message after message that if the road gets rough, just dump them and go on to something else. There'll be somebody else that you can get with. And you are constantly inundated with those messages. In fact, you don't even have to dump them. You can stay with them, bear with it, but find somebody else to have something with on the side. And that's the messages that you're getting. Now, what God wants you to understand with this principle of you remaining content with where he has called you, of being where he has called you, the key issue is not external. Putting on a show, the key issue is obedience. So let me just stop for a We've got, we got a lot of married folks here. Here's the issue. The issue is, my friends, you're to remain faithful to that spouse, period. That's obedience. Period. Well, you don't know what he's like. We well, you don't know what she's like. Right. I understand that. And, and a lot of times what we'll do is, is we'll look at other couples and say, Oh, aren't they the perfect couple? But you don't know what's going on in their house and what kind of quirky things he's doing or kind of quirky stuff she's got going and and everything. And we start looking at, oh, the grass looks greener over there. Well, there's a septic tank underneath it. Now, this is why I told you I had a couple of men in my ministry over the years of my ministry have come to me and said they wish they'd gone back to their first wife. Because when they got with the other woman, it looked good. And it fulfilled desires and sexual desires and everything. But then when they got beneath the surface of who she was, they wished they were back with their first wife. The issue is obedience. And and can I be honest with you, it has nothing to do with feelings. Sometimes you'll say, well, we just don't love, I just don't feel like I love them anymore. You're not to feel love, you're commanded to love. Husbands, what does it say? Love your wives. It's a command. And that's the bottom line. So, the issue is obedience. So, when we talk about marriage, the issue is obedience, that you remain obedient to God and do what He's asking you to do, to be married and to work at it. Okay? Just work at it. And believe me, it's going to take work. Because here's the thing, with a marriage as it is with a relationship with God, there's no plateaus. You're either going forward or backwards. So if you're not working on your marriage, you are going backward in your marriage. Bottom line. You say, really? Really. I'll never forget, I had to do the renewal of vows for a couple. They're now gone on to be with the Lord. They were celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. And he he later would say, someone asked him, I guess they even had the... This was in Canada. They had the news there, and they said, what what have you learned, and what are you learning? He said, I've learned I don't know her. Been married for 60 years, and he still doesn't know her. Now, he knows her, you know what I'm saying? But what he's saying is is he's learning something new about her every day. 60 years he's learning something new about her. You've got to understand. Even after 60 years, you don't know it. You've got to work at it, okay? You've got to work at it. So here's the point of what you see. Here's the next thing. Here's the principle restated. Paul stresses that they are to remain where God has placed them. So, can I be honest with you? I hear this all the time. Two people, you know, a Christian guy, leaves his spouse, gets with this other gal, and you talk to him, and he says, well, God put us together. She's really interested in spiritual things. God put us together. You know what I say to those guys? What God are you serving? Because the God I know and the God of the Bible talks about you stay where you're at. That's the principle. God, you, instituted, you entered into a covenant relationship with a person before God that is a lifetime commitment. For you then to just decide that God showed you something else? That would go against everything that God holds to, and everything that God established. That would be contrary to God. We would be in a whole lot of trouble if God changed that value, changed those principles, changed those commands. When reality, God didn't say anything to you. It was your hormones that said something to you. And so the point is, is you're you're you know if you entered into that relationship and into a covenant relationship. And let's be honest, it's a covenant relation, not a contractual relationship. We've made it into a contractual relationship. Does everybody understand me? You go to a lawyer to, to deal with a contractual relationship, right? And believe me, oh, by the way, I just read this article. They already said that they're going to be hurting. You say the lawyers are going to be hurting? Yes. Because they're going to show that the divorce rate is going to drop a little bit. You want to know why? People don't have money now to go pay the fee to get a divorce. So they're going to be hurting, so if you're going to feel for them, you know, here's the smallest violin in the world. And let me just stop for a moment. Let me just say this to you real quick. I talk to couples, and they'll say, well, we're talking to our lawyer, and he says that we need to get the divorce. Believe me, his job isn't trying to keep you together. everybody understand me? It is not the lawyer's job to try to keep you together. He profits by you breaking apart. So remember that. So the point I want you to see is, you are to remain where God has placed you. If you're in a marriage relationship, make it work. Now, if you're single, let me talk. We're picking on married people. Let's talk for a moment about singles. Remember I talked about the issue of obedience? If God has called you to singleness, the issue with singleness is sexual purity. That you are obedient to God in the issue of sexual purity. Period. That's the issue there. That you remain sexually pure. Now, let's go on. Here's another application. A Christian's vocational situation is a matter of little consequence. Here he's talking about the issue of whether you're free or a slave. Now, let me explain something to you. Slavery back then is a little bit different than slavery that we've had in our country. Back then, slaves, most of the population of Rome were slaves. In fact, the vast majority were slaves of some sort. They were owned by somebody, but they functioned basically like stewards. So you had educated ones, you you had uneducated ones. Most people were slaves in that culture. So it's a little bit different. So he's talking more about a vocational sense here. And he's saying, so just like you wouldn't change your vocation. Now we do that in our culture, but in their culture, if you were a farmer, you wouldn't just up and say, I'm going to be a bricklayer now. You would be a farmer the what? The rest of your life. If you were a mason of some sort, work with you know, you would remain a mason or a carpenter, and that's you know that's why when the scripture talks about in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he shall go, it's talking about a vocational thing. There, he's going to remain in that vocation, remain in that vocation. So he's saying a Christian's vocation, vocational situation is a matter of little consequence. You're not going to change. You're going to remain in that. So he gives that illustration. So here's the fact. Here's the reality. The reality, Paul stresses the fact that they were bought by Christ. You belong to Jesus. In fact, look, look, let's look at that verse. Look at verse 23. You were bought at a price. Do not become the slaves of men. Here's what he's saying here, guys. You belong to Jesus. You're a slave to Jesus. And so because you're a slave to Jesus, you have to fulfill whose wishes? You know, Jesus' wishes. The Lord's wishes. You need to do what God is calling you to do. Don't become the slave of men. And I'll be honest with you. When you look at what's happening in the marriage scene today, the, you know, the key word is freedom. I mean, you have heard that, you know, it's freedom. I just want to be free. It isn't freedom. It's called slavery. Because the reality is is when you cast off bounds in your life, you become a slave to whatever your body desires, And a lot of people end up going down a path of destruction. Now here's the thing about this: When you talk about a marriage relationship, and you know it's a little bit different if you're a single person and you decide to go do your own thing, yeah, you hurt your family or whatever, but when you talk about a marriage relationship, you've got a wife, you've got kids and you you decide to go do your own thing and even qualify it spiritually, well, God guided me to this other person. Okay, What happens is you you become a slave to yourself and you destroy your life, but you also destroy their lives. You destroy their lives. The impact is beyond in their lives. In fact, let me just tell you, this is a statistic. Here's the fact. I see this played out all the time. I just had a discussion with my father-in-law about a guy that used to work for him that as soon as the court system caught up with where he worked and he started that he needed to withdraw from his pay child support, the guy quit working. The guy quit working. He just all of a sudden quit coming to work. Why? Because he didn't want to pay child support. Who's affected by that? The children. In fact, here's the statistic. Divorce hurts more women and families than anything. Guys do okay. But it hurts women and families. That's reality. That's reality today in our country. That's reality right here today in our county. The one who is affected in a negative way is the woman, the single mom, and the children. That's reality. That's reality. And so, here's the point. You belong to Jesus. So don't become a slave to your passions, to your desires, even to your crazy thinking. Because remember, I told you, some of the thinking that they're dealing with here is, is that they're being spiritual, and they're saying, well, you know, even though we're married, we should act like we're single. That's craziness. Because remember what he said earlier, don't withhold yourself from your spouse, because you'll lead them into what? Temptation and sexual sin. So there's all kinds of craziness. So you belong to Jesus. So when I belong to Jesus, my, the task for me is to what? Be obedient to Jesus and what he calls me to do. So let's go on then. Here's what he's saying. Principle restated again. So he wants to reiterate this. Here's what he said, verse 24. Again, Paul stresses that they should be content where God has placed them be content where god has placed them now can i can i help you with how to how, can i help you how to be content, know how to be content can i help you to know how to be content here's what you got to do quit looking at your neighbor a couple of weeks ago we uh Lori has some Know some ladies, and one of the ladies came by, and she was talking to Lori in the kitchen, and I'm in the in, in the laundry room there doing laundry. Now, I, I like doing laundry because I like to have my clothes on when I want them. Okay, not when Lori doesn't. Okay, so I heard I overheard I overheard in the next room. Lori, she said, "Well, what's George doing?" And, and, and she said, "Well, George is doing the laundry," and. Well, I wish you would come over and tell my husband how to do laundry. And, and and so when they left, Gloria was saying, she thinks you need to go over and teach so-and-so how to do laundry. I said, what I need, I think, to do is teach them, quit looking at somebody else. Because they might like the fact that I do laundry, but there might be something else that I do that they really don't like. And they'll be thankful. And many times, you know, when Gloria and I first got married, you know, she had family members that were big into woodworking. This is the greatest story that ever happened. Here, let me tell you what happened. We're within a year, and Lori says, why don't you pick up a hobby? I said, I got hobbies. I enjoy things. She says, how about woodworking? I don't like woodworking. Well, my dad, on their first anniversary, built my mom a cedar chest. So I said, okay, I'm going to, uh, whatever, fine. We're newlyweds. I'm going to please her, whatever. So I knew she loved jelly cupboards because Lori's a country girl and she likes, you know, shaker furniture and stuff. So I went over to her dad's in the garage there and I'm putting around building this jelly cupboard. And her dad comes over and says, What are you doing? I said, I'm building, Lori, a jelly cupboard. And uh, he says, Oh, I didn't know you were into woodworking. I said, I'm not. Well, why are you doing this? I said, Because of you. And he said, "What do you mean because of me? Because I said you built Carol a cedar chest, and that's in Lori's mind, and I got to build this jelly cover for her." He said, "I never built her that cedar chest. I gave the wood to my uncle Burl. He made it." <laughs> so you know, you, you understand what I'm saying. You compare, and when you look at what's going on there, and you don't have all the facts. You understand? You don't have all the facts. And it creates in you a heart of discontentment with the person you're with, and you start pining away, well, if only so-and-so was like him, or if she was like her, you know. And, and here's what happens. That discontentment grows, and then all the negative things that happen in your relationship become big things. And guess what happens? You head down that road to what? Problems, affairs, you name it. So Paul, the principle he's stressing here, is that they would be content with with where God has placed them. Be content. In fact, can I remind you? At one time, you were content. At one time, you thought they were the greatest thing since sliced bread. And you couldn't wait to be with them. And you made that commitment to be with them. And so, we learn to be content. Now, you say, you don't understand the struggles. I understand that, but let me tell you. I'm remind you, I said this last week. The God of the universe is the one who calls you to do this. And believe me, he knows that you can't do it on your own. But he can do it through you. So, you go to the God of the universe and you say to him, God, I need your help to be content in my marriage. I need your help to be the spouse that I want to be. You know? I need your help. So, you need to learn to be content. So, that's the whole point there, contentment. And really, this principle is not just for marriage, it's for everything, whether it's with your job. Believe me, right now, folks, with the economy, you need to be content in your job. There's not too many options, unless you got one. All right, now, here again, we're going to talk about singleness now. Look with me, verses 25 through 38. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give a commandment as one whom the Lord in His mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loose. Are you loose from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if, you are, even if you do marry, you have not sinned. If a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep, those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it. From the form of this, for the for the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. He who re, who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly towards his virgin, if, he, if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and is so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then, he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. A wife is bound by law as long as the husband lives, but if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes wishes only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment, and I think I have the Spirit of God. Okay, so here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at this last section concerning singleness in ministry and the issue of remarriage and widows. First of all, Paul gives instruction from his perspective and not from the Lord directly. Although, you can't dismiss his perspective here. He is an apostle. So, he's giving from his perspective. And understand what's going on here. Remember, we're going to see this in this passage. What's happening with the church at this time? What are they facing? Persecution. Alright? People are being killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so you've got to understand that this is an underlying theme in this, this section of verses. Okay? Now, here's what he's saying. Because of the nature of the times, they are to remain as they are. So if you're, he's saying if you're a single person in that time, he says remain single remain single because of the nature of the times. Listen, you have to understand where he's coming from, too, because here's the thing. if you, Let's say we lived in perilous times. Let's say we lived in Vietnam or Burma or China or something. And you're married, and the officials, government officials come and arrest you or arrest your wife. Where are your thoughts going to be? Especially if they throw him in prison. Where's your thoughts going to be? On yourself? With that loved one. You're going to be what? Worried about them. You're going to be distracted by it. See, this is what the Paul... You're going to be in anguish over them. See, Paul's trying to spare people here. you understand what's going on here? He's trying to spare people grief. Anguish of heart. And so he's saying, look, don't rush into a marriage in these times, is what he's saying. Now, of course, we live in different times now. you understand? We don't have that situation at this point in our country. But there are people around the world who do. And so this is a very applicable scripture to them. Now, here's the thing. He wants to make a point here because he has to with this church. Those who marry do not commit sin. It's interesting. When you look at church history, there have been different groups that have tried to make marriage into a sin. So, for instance... Uh, Probably about 100 years after the time of Paul, there was a group actually real close to Corinth uh, that was called the Mountainous. And it's interesting, even Baptists claimed their roots with the Mountainous. And a lot of the martyrs that you will hear about in the Roman arenas at that time were Mountainous. Now, one of the things about the Mountainous was, is they believed in celibacy, period. So even if you were married, you were to just remain celibate. Okay, that was one group. Another group is right here in our own in our own country, and that was the Shakers. Remember, in the Shakers, that's where we get Shaker furniture from. Okay. Now, you ever notice? not you, you haven't seen very many Shakers around? Have you? Want to know why? They didn't believe in sex. They believed in celibacy. Period. So obviously, there's no biological growth there, and that's not really a catchy phrase to get people to join your group. So they ended up dwindling down, and as they got older, they died off. But they did leave a great legacy, Shaker Furniture. But see, here's what Paul's saying. You're going to have people who are going to tell you that marriage is wrong, period. And here's what he's saying. Here's what the Bible says. Those who marry do not commit sin. You're not sinning by marrying. Now, let me just stop for a moment. The same apostle, though, will say you're sinning if you marry the wrong person. If you're a believer marrying an unbeliever, that's sin. But the, the institution of marriage is not a sin. Now, why would he say the institution of marriage is not a sin? It's very really practical. All you got to do is go all the way back to Genesis. Huh? Yeah, God instituted marriage. God instituted marriage. So you've got to be careful with some of these guys who will tell you that kind of stuff. Here's the point. Whether single or married, they should not focus on the temporal. Listen, your focus shouldn't be just on the temporal. Look at verse 29 through 31. Here's what he's saying. But I say, brethren, at the time is short, so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they have none. Those who weep as though they do not weep. Those who rejoice as though they do not rejoice. Those who buy as though they do not possess. For those who use this world as not misusing it, For the form of this world is passing away. Here's here's what he's talking about. We need to recognize that the world in which we live in is passing away. This is not going to be reality. It isn't. At some point, you're going to die, or Jesus is going to come back. This world is temporal. It's only temporary. And our focus should not be on what? Temporary. Our focus needs to be on what? Eternal. So, here, here's the difference of focus. Here's the thing. Here's what he says. First thing. A single person can focus on serving the Lord. And it's very practical. If, you, if you're committed to Jesus and you're a single person, you can devote time, you can, you, you can devote your thinking and everything towards serving the Lord. Now, here's the problem, though. When you're married, can you just give a wholehearted focus to the Lord? No, when you're married, a married person has their focus on who? Their spouse. Yes, you're serving the Lord, but ultimately God even tells you when you're married that you're to focus on who? Your spouse. And so here's the thing. so like, I've, I've met people, they'll say, I, I remember working with a guy and boy, he was real upset with church. And I say, why are you mad at church? Well, that's where my wife is all the time. She's there all. The, she's there during the work week, and she doesn't care about me or she doesn't care about the kids. All she cares about is that church thing. Well, there may have been a little bit of exaggeration there, but the point was is that she wasn't doing right. She was at the church, involved in everything, doing everything to the detriment of who? Her marriage and her family. Now, if you were to ask her, she would say, "I'm serving the Lord." Now, here's the problem. God very distinctly says in his word how you are to be in your marriage. So, if I'm going to serve the Lord, I think I better be obedient to what he says first. And so, here's my point. In fact, this will go against the grain of some of you because you were taught different. I would say you put your family first. You see what I'm saying? You put your family first, and so if 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 Pastor George is pressuring you, we Bruce, we really need somebody to teach that nursery class, and you're the guy, Bruce. You're the guy to. I'm I'm picking on him because he's not a nursery guy. Okay, and at least I don't think he is. Okay, all right. So we really need you, Bruce, to do that. And yet he's got things at home he's got to do. What should Bruce do? Work in the nursery? What? Do stuff at home. Why? Because there's no command, thou shalt work in the nursery. Who said that? Okay. You do work in a nursery, though. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. There's no command to work in a nursery. Okay. But there are commands about how you are to do at home, right? There are commands, husbands, about how you are to be with your wife. There are commands, wife, how you are to be with your husband. There are commands, parents, how you are to be with your children. There are commands. So, when we go to be with Jesus, Jesus, if you neglected your family, and you can say, well, Jesus, I served in the nursery. Yeah, but what about your family? That is, in fact, that's what I'm trying to get to Bruce. Doing what he says is putting God first. You understand? More so than doing what George's agenda is. I don't have a big agenda. Okay, you, never, you know, you know, I don't pressure you guys about that stuff, because the key thing is what you've got to do. got to do your home life first. You got to do your home life first. In fact, here, let me say something to you. What you I give you that illustration of that woman that's always working, working, working. Neglecting her family. What do you think those kids think about church? Let's be practical here. Yeah, you know, they resent the church. Why? Because the church has taken who away. You, you see my point? You know, that goes against the grain of some teaching today. But the point is, you know, you know, it's one thing for the church to give lip service that we're about families. You ever notice we do that? We talk about we're about families in the church. You listen to Christian radio. We're about families. Well, let's be practical about it. If we're about families, who's the first priority according to the Bible? Families. you understand? This is the point he's making here, is that a married person just can't totally devote themselves. A single person can't. But a married person has to focus on what? Family, family. So, Paul's instructions are given to help our service. Now, he's telling us this to help us. Some of you need this to be freed up. Be free. And listen, there is more fulfillment in doing what God tells you to do than being pressured, Bruce, into working in the nursery. Because here's what will happen. He neglects home. He goes to work in a nursery. First of all, he's not a nursery guy, but now he's working in the nursery, and he's back there gritting his teeth saying, I'm doing this for you, Jesus. And he's hating it back there. How many of you have met people that were pushed into a ministry that they didn't? it was not who they were, God didn't get them to it, and they resented being back there, and they just hated it? How many of you have seen that kind of thing? I have. Yeah, we have, haven't we? In fact, if anything, they hindered the church. They hurt the church because they shouldn't have been there in the first place. They should have been where? First of all, focused on home. Focused on home. So, okay, let's go on. So then, here's the instructions he has for singles. It's okay to marry or remain single. It's okay to marry or it's okay to remain single. So let me stress this again. Folks, quit pressuring them. Because, listen, God may call them to be single, but I'm pressuring them to do something that maybe God didn't call them to do. Or maybe he does want them to marry, but they need to wait a little bit until the right person that God has for them comes along. So it's okay for a single person to marry, or it's okay for them to remain single. Now, here's the point. Now, here's the other thing. A person wishing to remain single has done the right thing also. If you're you're wanting to remain single, hey, you're doing the right thing. Now, in our churches today, let's be honest, is it the right thing in our churches? Come on, let's be honest. Forget what I just said. Is it the right thing in our churches? Have we practically said it's the right thing to do if you're going to remain single? Anybody? No. We have practically been putting, what, pressure on people to, what? Get married. I mean, there's some practical advice here from Paul. If you want to remain single, great, wonderful. You've done the right thing, he says. But if you want to get married, that's okay too. But listen, recognize that people are to be content. And church, let's let's not focus on that. Just four more points here. Look at the issue of remarriage. This is a big issue today in the church as well because the divorce rate is high. Verse 39, he's saying this. Marriage is a lifelong contract between a husband and a wife. Really, the word should be covenant, not contract. Because I told you there's a difference between a covenant and a contract. Here's the point. Here's what he's saying. A widow is free to remarry. If you are a widow, you're free to remarry. And then they can only marry a believer. They can only marry a believer. But if that widow wants to remain single, here's what Paul says. It's okay for the widow to remain single. So quit putting pressure on them to get married. It's okay for them to stay single if they want to. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to finish up next week to talk about love and Christian liberty.